So I would you like to um, take some questions? Certainly. Thank you. I have. I notice that I'll have experiences of what you shared. This openness, this letting go of the of the clinging, and then before I know it, I'm clinging to something else. But how to stay with that that openness? I can say from my own life that you dry your tears and you keep going. Wipe your eyes, take a deep breath, and start again. Because we have moments like that, and then life hits again, and we fall. Or we, we weep, or we feel struck. Because all of us have been through different kinds of hurts and traumas, and life will you know, we'll have a moment of realization and then we'll, we'll get hit from another side, from another corner, a little deeper, and we get triggered. So then we have an opportunity because we've been strengthened by a moment of seeing what's true. And we have to get ourselves back to that again and again and again until we sustain it. And as we... You know, it's just like when you're doing practice for in a sport. It takes a while till you become good at it. Or if you're, if any of you do artwork to become a real artist, you have to practice to become a musician. I said this recently, you know, at first there's nothing beautiful comes out of the instrument but if you keep at it this think of this body mind like a musical instrument and at first it howls and it makes terrible noises it screams and cries and but then if you keep practicing you begin to chant you start chanting Everything becomes part of the chant. It doesn't matter how terrible things are. You chant and you wean yourself away from the pain. Or you may you incorporate the pain. You sew it into the fabric of your life's moment. So that it doesn't, even the pain itself is part of the release. It's part of the just knowing this is what I have to walk through. This is what I have to live through. But that's the journey. It's a karmic thing. So we go through it. And we get tougher. I used to cry all the time. I mean, not all the time, but the slightest thing, I'd be, you know, tears. And, uh, and get discouraged. I used to be terrified of giving a Dhamma talk. I could never understand how anybody could get up and give a talk. Well, I still feel something in my belly. Or I still think, well, I have nothing to say. But then when the I is dropped and you just 
bow your head to the present moment, then there is no I. You just, you know, it just comes out. Life will show you. You have to trust. We have to have faith. We have to keep going. We have no choice. What are you going to do? We don't want to go backwards. There's only keep going. Just keep trying. And eventually you find that, gee, you can do the thing you thought you never would be able to do. You can face up to the people that you never thought you could face up to and not howl or criticize or be offended. You just try to have compassion because this is a noble quality of heart. If we can bring compassion to the table, to the present moment, first for ourselves, then we can do that for everyone. We practice on ourselves. That's the secret. You practice freeing yourself so you can free everyone that enters into your mind from being someone you don't want to talk to. Or even somebody that you have to be with. You develop an equanimity because we are all impermanent. So we can let go this let go of this body-mind, then we can let everyone go in a good way. And then we spend as much time together as we have. Very painful for a mother to lose a child, but even the loss of a child, the loss of each other, the lo we're going to lose everything, our own bodies. We have to. We have no choice. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of the bargain. This is why we're here. We're here to get all this and then to lose it again. And there's a reason for it. Because having this life is not the answer. It's not the way of knowing the truth. It's not by having life itself, just for the sake of having life. But it's for understanding the reason that we have the life is for the mind to understand the truth of this life, the birth and the death of it, to understand that. Then we are not attached to it. We wake up from that. But we have to practice understanding it. So practice waking up moment by moment. And just because we fall asleep again, that doesn't mean you don't wake up again. We do that every day, right? We go to sleep, and then suddenly you're awake again. How did that happen? Why don't we ask, well, how did that happen? I'm here again, I. Who is this I? There is a wakeful feeling. There's knowledge of mourning or of being conscious again. What does that mean? And just bring up the good qualities that we can and practice them all day long. And when they don't arise, cultivate them. 
And when the fear and anxiety arise, cultivate the ending of it. Find the place in the body where there is no fear. Find a, a tiny speck in the mind, in the heart, where there is no fear. Like when your dog or your pet comes into the room and you feel joy. That's a moment of non-fear. So we can do it. We just have to grow that more and more into the darkest corners of life. We grow that sense of not being afraid, of not panicking, of not being disappointed, of not being angry. Gratitude is a big one. I don't know if I answered your question, but it's a good question. <laughs> we all have that question. We all have to keep at it. If you're digging for gold in some obscure geological place that's been identified as there's gold here, it doesn't come at the first shovelful, does it? You dig and dig and dig and you dig here, you dig there, and you don't find anything. And then one day you're just kind of on the site. And I remember one day we were building a little shed out back. This was a surprise. One of our friends that was helping put his hammer down for a minute. And then when he came back, he couldn't find it. He looked everywhere for this hammer. Then he said, you know, I, I put my hammer somewhere and I can't find it. So I gave him another hammer from the workshop. But I was always mystified. Well, he couldn't find it, but I can find it. You know, a little ego there. I went out to the back. I looked everywhere, up and down. I looked in the grass, around the shed, around the work site. Not a single extra hammer. I don't know. It might have been four or five years later. I'm walking behind that well-constructed shed, and I see this little speck of yellow in the ground. I thought, what's that? So I gave a scratch on the soil, and I noticed it's metal. I got somebody to come who could dig it, and we dug up a hammer. It was the hammer. I found it years later. So I called him. I said, I found your hammer. Insignificant, but, you know, patience. Good quality. Aya, can you say how gratitude could help to counteract feelings of fear and anxiety, particularly around death or the, the body declining? 
We try to restrain the mind from giving into the fear, and we focus, we samadhi ourselves back into the moment. By focusing and concentrating in the right way. So if you focus on the fear, then there's no hope. But if you focus on what you have to do and get the mind into a, a place of calm and just take one step at a time and feel grateful for tiny little incremental progress, then you get back in and you have overcome the fear. And it might only be for a moment, but you just keep trying. And when when you practice non-fear, then you're cultivating gratitude or you're cultivating courage. Actually, giving, giving yourself means knowing that there is no self. You're giving up the self because fear is just a mind moment. It's not real. The architect is ignorance. It's ego. It's the creation of this self-concept that we so believe in that we become frightened by conditions. But if we remember that everything is impermanent, suffering and empty of any self, then there's nothing to be afraid of. But we so believe the fear that we're actually afraid of the fear rather than anything that is there. It's only a mental moment. Even if there's a fire burning, what we're really afraid of is death. Death of the body, harm to the body, death of our loved one, harm to our loved one. Fear is at the bottom of all fear. And so then we start to understand that there's nothing we can do except follow our kama. And at least in the moment of knowing that this is what's happening, this is a karmic predicament, then we can die without fear. Or we can complete the moment without giving in to fear. Even if our body is shaking, that's just a trembling sensation. It's not something that will kill us or destroy us because the mind by itself is pure and is not dependent on these mind moments for its purity. It is not diminished by that. These are hard things to remember, to contemplate in the middle of terrible suffering. But it is possible. All conditions can be brought to liberation. All conditions can be known as means to our deliverance. But we have to do sometimes a very quick dance around them to get to the bottom of what they are showing us. These things are impermanent. We're scared of impermanence. We're terrified of it. But it is the nature of all experience. It's the nature of life itself. It's just slipping through our hands. And because we want conditions to be different, of course we're frightened when they're what they are. Gratitude can be cultivated in the middle of the most frightening thing. 
if we see and understand fear for what it is, then at least we know the truth of it, and we can stand empty in front of it. Then it passes through. It doesn't destroy us. But may we not suffer. May we be strong enough to overcome our suffering and not hold it as something solid, deadening, something that will defeat that truth that we have within us. The flame will not go out, but we have to protect it. And a grateful mind is just bring up the teaching in the middle of all that. In the middle of a desert, find the oasis. It could be a tiny little spot with a drip of water in it, and for that we'll be grateful. We can think of the Buddha's teaching as something that we have a tiny bit of, even in the midst of the most awful moment, we can take refuge. We remember we have some wisdom. We have Buddha, we have Buddha, we have Dhamma, and we have Sangha. That alone can give us refuge in a terrible moment. All of us have gone through terrifying things in one way or another. Some more than others, depending on our karmic predicament. And when we are going through the really difficult stuff, we have to swim harder. As if our life depends on it. And not just expect that somehow we're going to be picked out of this predicament and rescued. We have to rescue our minds. We have to inject ourselves quickly with even a phrase, Bhuttang Saranam Gachami. I go for refuge to the Buddha and take a deep breath and try harder, swim harder, fear less. If we fear less, we'll be fearless. It's practice. And every moment of fearlessness is a moment of thank goodness for that. To overcome this fear, is there any hope? Hope is in the future, but in the present moment, what we can do is have faith. Like we trust our strengths, we trust our wisdom, we trust our samadhi, which means that we know how to stand still in the times of terrible tempest, a storm. We can stand still in a mental storm. And then we can have the faith that we know how to stand still in that. We trust what we've learned through taking refuge in truth, in our virtue in our practice of standing and sitting and being with difficulties. And that will give us, that's the way through our patience with conditions, that's how we create the path in front of us. And we give ourselves the strength to trust. So it isn't actually hope, but that is, that's going to save us. 
hope is thinking that, oh, in the future, something will happen. But actually, in the present moment, something is happening through our own efforts.